Welcome to the Into the Wilderness podcast. Like we said last week, we're bringing you an extra show this month, extra special. And as promised, we're going to be announcing our first prizes. We will be giving prizes away on most of the podcasts from now on. So, for the, certainly for the rest of this year, anyway. For the rest of this year. So, uh, so within the, the next five minutes, you're going to hear what the prizes are. And they're not month. shabby. No, not We at told all. you before, we said before, they are not shabby prizes. We're not scrimping out here. Now, the next podcast is going to be in one week's time. Yep. And that's going to be Marina Gibson. It will be. Uh, who is a face of fishing. She is indeed. She has uh, some really nice uh, short films, and I know she has been filming as well, yes. so they're not out yet. Vimeo, right? Yeah, on Vimeo. Uh, so yeah, check her out on Vimeo. It's also on our Facebook page as well, her her film. And yeah, and a really nice, um, you know, nicely shot, and it's good to see uh, more women out. Involved in field sports. Yeah, involved in field so sports. So if, if anybody listening has questions for her, Yes. For we are rec- we are recording that one on Tuesday. Yep. Um, so get your questions to us before Tuesday, and we can try and pose them to her at the end. Yeah, we'll do that. So yeah, let, let's tell everybody what the competition is before we forget. You okay? Let's do okay. it. Okay. So um, we are going to be giving away a Bushnell trophy cam. Yep. Bushnell trophy cam, uh, which I actually. I didn't use this particular model, but I used the first Bushnell Trophy Cam a couple of years ago. They are very, very good. If you're into hunting or even not into hunting and just like looking at wildlife, you can stick it up yeah, pretty much up. anywhere and see what's walking around at either night, in day yeah. or at night. Or at night, yeah, which is really cool. And in uh, fact, they were you might not know this. Uh, it was Bushnell trophy cams that were used by the BBC to capture some of the highest altitude tigers ever recorded. Well, there you have it. We're giving you some pretty cool stuff. And it's well over £100 worth of stuff. Yeah, easily over. So, um, the details of how to win. Now, what we're what we're going to do is, if you want to win this, this uh, Bushnell uh, trail cam, then all you need to do is head over to our Facebook page and the pin post, once this shows up, you just share the link. So share the podcast, that's it. And we'll be It'd able be to... It'd be nice if you put a comment on yeah, it. Share com- it with com- a comment. Yeah, share it with a comment. But the important thing is share it. And yeah, and give us a comment as well if you, if you see fit. And you ha- if you haven't liked the page, like the page as well because that's also important. But yeah, the important thing is share the link. So for- we'll, take, we'll take a list of the, all the names of the people who have shared the link. But it, it'll be the, it will be the pin post, and if you are looking for the show on Facebook, if you haven't found it, all you need to do is search "podcast into the wilderness," and it comes up. Yep. But fear not if you are not a Facebook user. Yeah, because do we, we have ca- another way to do we this. We cater for everyone because we are aware that not everyone is Facebook users. So we've got another way. Oh, am I going to tell? Oh, you I'll, I'll tell. You go. We also have a YouTube channel, which we set up a few months ago. It's uh, it's growing, and we were just trying to separate it from our Into the Wilderness series channel. So all you need to do on YouTube is search podcast Into the Wilderness, and it'll be the first channel that comes up. It'll also have a few of our shows uh, on YouTube. And this week's show, all you need to do is comment and subscribe to our channel. Yeah, so comment underneath the video. If you don't comment, sub- then we will not know. Yeah, because <laughs> so there's that, a lot of subscribers on there already. So if you if you already subscribe, make sure you put a comment so we know to add you to the list. So those yeah. are the two ways, YouTube and Facebook. YouTube and Facebook. All the details will be on the Facebook page. So if you or if you if you get confused, just listen back. 
Mm-hmm. That's that's the beauty uh, And of if it. you really are struggling for whatever reason, send us an email. And podcast. Then, we'll, we'll, then we yeah, then we might be able to help you out with instructions or anything like that. Yeah, hang so, on, hang on. Uh, you didn't you interrupted me before sorry, I finished saying what the email address was. <laughs> uh podcast at paceproductionsuk.com. It'll, Simple. It'll also be in the description. Yeah. But if no one can read the description then they won't have the email. Everyone address. should be able to <laughs> read the description. <clears throat> oh, the, sorry, the description of the actual of podcast. The, of the podcast. Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. So all the details you need will actually be in the description of this show. And if you're listening, then you'll be able and to see And as 90% of our listeners are on iTunes, all you do is, on my phone anyway, you tap the screen. So you'll have the you'll have the picture, the cover art, you tap the screen, and then the, the cover art disappears and the description appears. So that, that'll help. So that's it, done. Um, in the next couple of, well, maybe the start of next week, we will put a video up of us unboxing it and put some pictures so you can actually see yeah, yeah. what you have the potential of winning. And this competition is going to run for three weeks. So we won't announce the winner on the, the podcast that's out next Thursday. It'll be the, the following, the following two podcast, weeks after yeah. that, which uh, should be a super extra special guest. But we'll tell you who that is uh, when we release the podcast next week. It's a big one. It is a very, We keep very getting big bigger. One. Uh, this podcast, as I'm sure you will all be aware, is um, sponsored and supported by the Scottish Association for Country Sports, and they have been up to, as always, a huge amount of work going on in the background that quite often doesn't get talked about, but is very important for countryside issues and particularly field sports. Just to give you an idea of what they've been doing, and important for your input as well, uh, they're in the process of putting together their response to the Wild Fisheries Review. Now, if you cast your mind back to one of our very early podcasts, we mentioned two or three. Yeah. You'll find it's it's the only one, actually, that we've we're, done on fishing. We're fishing, yeah. Um, we talked about the Wild Fisheries Review and what was in it at that point in time. We're now sort of four months later, and all the proposals have been put forward, and they're waiting for responses. SACS, along with other organizations, uh, are putting their responses to government. And if you have any input that you want to propose, get in contact. Um, you can send them a message on Facebook or you can e- email them SACS at info. You, sorry, you, info. You, you don't know, do no, you? I don't. <laughs> we'll I, put it in the description. But guys, it, at the end of the day, if you do have uh, something pressing, contact us. We can forward it to them. I'm gonna, do you want to look this up while I finish going through the other things? Okay. Because I want to make sure that people know how to uh, contact. I should really know the address off by heart. So the Wild Fisheries Review, they have just submitted the consultation for tail docking. Um, so all the input for that is done, dusted, and submitted. Something which uh, I know they attended and is very important if you are involved in rural pursuits or just enjoy the countryside, is the rural parliaments which have been springing up. Um, they've had events all over the country. I have the address. Okay, I'll let you fire in with the address. Info at sax.org.uk. Okay, perfect. There we go. So if you want to have uh, any input into their response for the Wild Fisheries Review, that's the email address you need, <laughs> and it'll be in the description. Yep. Uh, yes, Rural Parliaments. They Just Google ru- Rural Parliaments and you'll find their website address. It's a great way to be able to engage and get your view and voices to government. And they've held a lot of events. I mean, there was one very local, local to us. Yeah, yeah. just Edsel down the road. A, a lot of uh, rural places over the last couple of months. And Ad- admittedly, neither of us could go. I was up in Inverness and filming pointer trials, and Byron was away. But we did send yeah. 
we sent sent our dad. <laughs> yeah, we sent we sent our dad and told him to take a friend. So we were um, we were represented, even though we couldn't go ourselves. Yeah. But it's really important, and it's a great way to be involved. And you can become a member as well. Google Rural Parliament Scotland, and you'll find out all the information you need. And I think that's about it. Uh, we have some more news coming from SAC soon. Uh, really important things they've been working on regard to firearms legislation. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to be seeing the director in the next few days. And it would be better coming from him because he knows what he's talking about, unlike me. Uh, so I'll get five minutes with him and we'll put it on the next podcast. Well, let, let's delve straight into this show. This so there's no guest on this show. There's no guest. It's just us talking, if you, if you haven't guessed already. And there's been so much news going on in the last few weeks that we thought let's dedicate a show to it because we did one before and it seemed really popular so we're doing it again so i'm gonna start with yeah i think it's a kind of a laughable kind of story actually out of america now good stories from america good stories from america we do have loads from this country don't worry well in fact we've got american listeners as well so so this is actually relevant in fact colin i give you a shout out all the time this story comes from not far away from you colin uh he'll, he'll know who he is he's based in new york one of our listeners now this this story comes from a small little farm and it the farm started off, basically, it was growing strawberries and a little bit of a, a petting zoo, and it held uh, birthday parties and so on. And a mother went to a birthday party at the Benners farm, and she was shocked. This is what it says. Shocked. This is a quote from her. Shocked to find out that the two-year-old cow that they were maybe petting that day, I don't know, was going to end up on the table of the farmer. Now, the farmer says that basically they a lot of nearly all the food that they grow and the animals they have, they, they use to eat. That's basically all they eat. They don't have a huge amount of money, so they rely on the farm for food, which I think is actually a, yeah, commendable, a, uh, quite a good way to go. Now, the reason, well, she was upset because they were going to kill the, the cow. And she said he doesn't need a cow to survive and feed his family. He basically is um, putting on a, a sob story that, you know, he he doesn't, um, you know, saying that I need um, I need my animals to, to survive, basically. And the the best statement of all is she said, why don't you go and get your beef from a shop? That is her quote here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, why don't Astounding. you? Why don't you go and get your beef from a shop? We've seen that before. There's a famous one that springs up, springs up on Facebook quite a lot. It's a quote from a Facebook. Uh, sorry, it's a it's a quote from a, a newspaper cutting, and it's basically saying, you know, all hunters are cruel, and why can't you be like everybody else and go to the shops to get your meat? And I think the clearly there's a, a massive disconnect here with how meat actually ends up on your table. Um, so yeah, a very good example with uh, out of touch people with reality. And and the poor guy, because this has actually gone semi-viral on um, Facebook. It says here he's 77 years old, and he's received hundreds of emails of threats because he's going to kill the cow, which is a little bit sad. Well, it's ridiculous because yeah. there are millions of cows killed every day around the world because that's what ma- modern agriculture is. So yeah, it's. So, so I mean, I, I, I'll actually read out uh, what they were demanding. They were um, so basically they're harassing the farmer um, and saying you shouldn't feed uh, feed your family the cow. Instead, 
they're demanding he purchase beef from the local Whole Foods store. That's what. Absolutely absurd. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, if anything, that sort of small holding way of life is one of the most sustainable, um, with the exception of hunting, which you could argue is more sustainable. But uh, I, I, from all accounts of what I've read, and we only know what we can, we can decipher from the internet. Is uh, you know he was running a, a nice little business and had a nice way of life, which was probably far more connected to well, was far more connected and is far more connected with reality than the vast majority of people who never really see that side of from field to plate um but the, 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 i mean the whole art i mean you you can discredit them completely because as soon as you say don't kill your cow go and buy it from a shop that that's the end of the argument makes them right sound there. a little bit yeah stupid. because you sound very stupid when you when you come out with a statement like that okay so we, we we're gonna put that one in the <laughs> yeah, bin that of one, stupid that, that that's <laughs> the bin of stupid done uh actually you know what we forgot to mention byron what's that we're going to the northern shooting show oh yes we are which is only Sorry, we're, we're a week di- and a half diverging. Away. It's only a week and a half away, and because this is going to be out actually on the day that we record it for once, uh, we are going to the Northern Shooting Show w- when it's on, and we're going to be at the SAC stand. So we're going to have uh, our banners up, and yep. we'll also be showing episode two of our series, which you will not be able to see anywhere else until the release date, which I think is actually another week later. Yeah, I'm actually going to pause a second because uh, we should really talk about the series for a second as well. So the Into the Wilderness series we mentioned, well, we've been mentioning in the podcast, the first episode is out. It's had a great response. We've had a lot of people sending us personal messages, a lot of people commenting, sharing. It's been uh, featured on a number of uh, people's um, pages. It's featured as a pin post on the hunting page, which we've also given a shout out before on the podcast. It's a just beautiful pictures and information about hunting globally. Uh, it's got, I can't remember now, 180,000 people on it. Uh, it's been shared on the Wide Open Spaces online magazine and uh, Hunting Forum, which is a really big one. They've got about a quarter of a million people uh, follow them on Facebook. And it has, yeah, it's it's been it's been amazing so far, and all but the comments have a, been appreciated to everyone that has been sharing it and yeah. tagging people in it and so on because it helps getting it out there, and we we really do appreciate it. But yeah, we're going to be at the Northern Shooting Show, so we'll we'll be showing it'll be permanently on all day on both the days the, on the screen, the the series, and on the Sunday I think from twelve till two. Yep. We're going to do a live podcast. We're not quite sure who the guests are going to no. be yet, but we're going to have a panel of uh, two or three people. We're going to go through basically countryside topics, anything that's hot yeah. at that, that point in time. So probably some of the stuff that we're talking about today. But uh, importantly for the people listening and for, and for the people who are going to be there, we're going to give you the opportunity to ask um, ask questions. We're going to have uh, Alex from Saks, who's the director. He, he'll definitely be there. We're just not quite sure who the the other people are. So... Any pressing questions yeah. or anything you want to debate? So, yeah, come over. And we will be around the Northern Shooting Show for, for two days. So please come and say hello. When we uh, did it at the British Shooting Show, we had loads of people come up to us. Um, yeah, it's great to have a chat. So, yeah, no, we really, really like chatting to people that listen to the show and are interested in what we're doing. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So th- this will be my second uh, game fair that I've been to in England that's like undercover. Because the yeah. British Shooting Show, I'd never been to one that was inside before, and this is going to be another one, so it'll be it'll be quite cool to see. And I've only ever been to other, one other game fair in England, and that's the one in the Lowther, Lowther mm. game fair. Which is a really cool game fair, actually. 
It is. We're going to go to our next topic since yes. we, we diverged. What, what would you like to speak to? to um, well, you talk about insects. You love bugs. <laughs> I do. Now, this was a, an interesting article that came about, and it's actually been around for quite a while, the, the concept of uh, eating eating bugs. And the idea behind it from originally a few years ago is that we would start supplementing our food with like mealyworms and crickets and so on because they actually have high protein very high protein. very high protein they breed like crazy and they don't really need a lot to make them breed and a lot to grow them as such so there is the first ever commercial insect farm has opened up in in england which is uh pretty cool and the one of the big things they're saying is that we're going to head this way no matter what. Yeah, they reckon that it arguably it's the only way that we will yeah. really be able to sustain the current growth in human population. This, this is a figure from the UN Food and Agricultural Organization. Uh, basically, by 2050, the number of mouths to feed is predicted to rise above 9 billion from 7.4 billion. And the demand for meat is expected to grow by 44% in this year alone. So that's uh, quite a considerable amount. And, you know, it's just, it's something that can't be sustained. That The livestock sector already uses a third of the earth's croplands to grow um, feed. And a third of all the fish landed in the seas as well. And let me just grab a, a few more. And a fifth of our greenhouse gases, uh, which is come from cattle, come from meat processing, meat basically production, yeah. meat production and so on. So I mean, I, you know, there are certain certain parts of the world where eating insects is yeah, it's like, a very common thing. It, it, it's like at, slapping a steak in the frying yeah. pan. I mean, you can just go look at Asia; they've been doing yeah. it for a long time. That's a pretty, the norm, Chinese pretty, are quite yeah, pretty normal thing. In Africa, they do it as well. We've yeah. well, we've in fact we were discussing it on last week's show. Yeah, we were. Yeah, with uh, flying ants and stuff like that. You know what? Insects. I have absolutely no problem with it. No, um, no problem with. Uh, and I, I think it's going to take a little while to get the British psyche around to eating bugs. Yeah, but the supplement thing—that's what I like about it. So let's just say that you are eating a burger. Let's just say a burger. But well, instead of the side being fries, it's going to be like no, a side of no. Crickets, no. So your burger is twenty percent, twenty percent mealy. You probably wouldn't even you, notice. You wouldn't even notice, and that's what I like about it. Uh, it was an Icelandic company about two years ago launched the first ever brunch. A bunch of oh, I saw that. insects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which yeah. I thought was quite good. They actually they looked really. It had mealyworms. Uh, yeah, like mealyworms, and then it was just covered in honey. And to be honest, you're, all you're going to taste is the honey. Because mm. mealyworms, I I've never eaten one. You know what? We should but, make it. So the, the, it's open in England. Yeah, it's it's opened um, open in England. Now there's a few problems with this. So I like it as an idea. I think it's the way that the world is actually going to go. It's there's no other way. It's it's a good way to to go to supplement food. I'm not going to say that we're all going to be eating hunting crickets. Won't be quite as much fun. <laughs> no, uh, but yeah, there is a few problems with it right now, especially in the UK. It's actually more expensive than meat to produce. Uh, yeah. uh, but they're saying basically that in if there's more farms, then the price will drop below. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll drop below uh, the price of. Uh, just yeah. meat, meat right now. Another problem that they're coming against in the UK is that crickets, uh, f using crickets as an example, because that would be one of the, the main insects they'd be breeding, 
need to be kept in temperatures of 25 degrees or higher, which means that you need, need to in the it. UK, you need to heat it, which means that you're using a potentially more energy. More energy than they're putting out. Yeah, kind of. Kind so of it's thing. probably more sustainable in hotter countries. In hotter countries. Mm. Which Where I, you actually get crickets. Yeah, which, but that's not to say that there isn't insects. Well, of course there's insects, yeah, that you would be able to, to grow. But I think, um, you know, mealyworms, crickets, snails, those kind of, well, they eat scorpions as well. But, the, you know, all these things kind of, I guess, do hotter need countries. all... Well, I think what we should do, we should make it our ambition this year to try and get some from this well, company. Th- th- this, well, okay, we'll, so, we'll yeah, yeah, let's cook do some it. up. Yeah. Well, let's cook some up, and we can we can do well, it we on can the tell show. you what it's like. Um, this was quite interesting in the article as well. Um, two university students in Brighton called themselves the Brighton Bug Boys, uh, working on a model where they use heat, wasted heat from factories, to grow their insect farms now that is a very good yeah, way to I, go i read that why not i mean if it's just being wasted anyway so you'd have the you'd have the the yeah. bug farms beside See, that, that becomes a fully sustainable way of doing a sustainable it. system yeah i mean it makes sense yeah it does make sense it's being it's being wasted i mean i want to try it at the end of the day i mean there's nothing more to that story than 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 uh, it's out there yeah than than that you can now get bugs in the uk and i think that it's the way if anyone beats us to it and manages to get the bugs and eat them and try them send us a message i've had snails before but i mean i want to try i want to try say that snails no i want to try a mealy a mealy sandwich a mealy base but they grind it down because the crickets get grounded down to a flower Mm. and then that's how it, it gets so i would love to try a something with crickets in it mm. grounded i mean down. you know we, we do have cricket farms here anyway that we're supplying pet foods yeah but uh, i remember re- listening to an, uh, a radio program about it and they were just saying that the hygiene standards obviously are not to the uh, not to the same standards and also i, I think it's different are, crickets as well is it different? Uh, just uh, when i was reading um a few articles about it they're saying the biggest and the reason why it's taken so long to actually bring it here is that they've had to import the the right stuff from holland and canada and america to start well, there you go yeah there you go now the the next thing is cats. Now we, uh, we we've been talking about cats now for a few weeks. We did. Uh, if you remember back two podcasts ago, yep. we were talking about the reintroduction um, of Lynx. Really long podcast, two and a half, half hours long. And uh, I I said in last week's show. Remember, you heard it here first, and I wasn't even joking. We did it. We did it, and within a week, it just exploded. It did. It, I mean, I think it was uh, more coincidence than anything. It, it else. was. It wasn't due to. <laughs> it, it wasn't, wasn't due, due to strategic us, planning. Uh, but we're going to take that. We're one. going to take some credit yeah. for it. Uh, but yeah, as Daryl says, a couple of days after that came out, it was in the newspapers. It was on uh, Good Morning Britain. It was on BBC. They were just talking about. Um, links uh, left right and center and then about a week after that there was a report came out from the british wool association about the effect now we we actually talked about a lot of what they discussed in their report on our podcast except we did it two weeks before and then it came into the news again but what is interesting is actually not with regard to links on this occasion but with regard to wildcats which we did also touch on very briefly because it is the same um, Dr. Paul O'Donoghue. I'm not sure if you'll want to come onto the, the show. He's welcome to come back on. Well, yeah, we, we know we're definitely, we're definitely going to ask him at some point when we talk about wildcats. But um, the controversy that 
came after that was with regard to Wildcats, not Lynx. Yep. And the reason for that was that they put out a statement. Um, Wildcat Haven put out. Yeah, a statement. sorry, Wildcat Haven, but it was specifically from Paul because I have um, yep, I have a, I have a quote here from them about the methods that SNH Scottish National Heritage use for protecting wildcats, which involves trapping feral cats, which there are loads of in this country. Um, and identifying them to make sure that they're not wild cats, and then they basically humanely dispatch them. And just to give you a quote from him, so I'll just read directly. Uh, I am deeply saddened to discover the animal welfare um, compromises that are being made. Neutering has proven to be incredibly effective in the wildcat haven field work area for humanely managing feral cat populations, and National Heritage are fully aware of the results from our work under their license. Uh, hundreds of square miles of safe, ha safe habitat for wildcats. He goes on to say uh, that to trap um, feral cats only to shoot them in the face with a shotgun is unnecessary. And that's a direct quote. Obviously using very emotive language there because shoot them in the face, it's just... Yeah, I know. It, 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 that's neither here nor there. It's a humane dispatch. Now, the, the point here is not really with regard to... The benefit to wildcats. Now, for those people who don't know, the reason why these programs exist is we are really battling to save um, our native Scottish wildcat, yep. uh, primarily, partly due to habitat, um, but primarily due to the fact that feral cats go and they dilute the population. So it dilutes so the genetic So there isn't strength. many pure genetically genetically pure wildcats left. That's what they're battling exactly. right now. So the way to go around that is to systematically trap, trap yep. cats um, out on the uh, quite often out on the open hill and on the, the fringe of woodlands gamekeepers are involved a lot of, uh, in this uh, with snh trapping identifying uh with wildcat haven it's a neutering program they have with snh they are dispatching non-native wildcat uh, feral cats both will help to save native wildcats however what is failed to be mentioned by Wildcat Haven is the massive amount of damage that feral cats do. Now these are not, these are feral cats. It is in the name. They are not supposed to be there. These are domestic cats which have either bred and you know their kittens yeah, have the kittens ended up farm just cats going so where, so wherever they've wanted to yeah. go, or they're just cats that haven't been looked after and they're just done, done their own thing. And we've got loads of them in this country. They kill tens of millions of birds and mammals in the UK alone every year to suggest that, that they shouldn't be controlled and dispatched is quite frankly ridiculous because it's not a native species mm. it should not be there and I think that their comments are very very naive and shows but, a little bit of out of touch with reality but, but of what's at the end important. of the day they are giving facts and comments that suit themselves so yeah on, I mean it's very clear on this to give an idea worldwide uh, how important this issue is with regard to feral cats, we're talking in the billions. There's been some pretty good studies in America. Uh, they reckon in the US there's 2.4 billion birds and 12 billion, that's with a B, uh, mammals killed every year. That's just in the US. And more than 60% of those numbers are by cats that are not owned by anyone, so feral cats. Now, I'm not saying the numbers would be exactly the same here in terms of proportions, but it gives you an idea. What is um, what was very refreshing is the statement from SNH that came out yeah, after it was, that. Yeah. 
and I'll just uh, read you directly from Eileen Stewart, um, Head of Policy Advice of SNH. She said, We at um, Scottish Wildcat Action are once again dismayed at the latest statement produced by Wildcat Haven on the 12th of April. We have a Scottish Wildcat Conservation Action Plan which has been published and developed by experts in their field. Uh, they go on to say that our national project is supported by the International Union for the Conservation of Nature. We're going to be talking about that organization a little bit later and is contrary to Wildcat Haven's claims. They also state uh, that lethal control of feral cats conducted by gamekeepers and other land managers is a legal and legitimate method for managing feral cat populations. The threats facing wild cats through hybridization, disease, accidental persecution means we need to work with all interest groups and ensure the survival of the Scottish wildcat. Uh, it doesn't actually talk about their effect on, on other mammals and birds, but it's implied by that. And it does, to some extent, almost seem like the comments from Wildcat Haven were an attack uh, to some extent against gamekeepers oh, yeah, and not yeah, just, I, I not was, just, I was, just I was just going to say that if you read the comment it for me it was a direct attack at gamekeepers and then if you read the comments below of the people speaking about speaking it, yeah. about it they were all basically like anti gamekeepers you know like gamekeepers are doing this they're doing that they're doing this and you know where where does it end it's just um, you can see that here in this comment. It says, uh, however, the trapping license issued by SNH by, to the Royal uh, Zoological Society of Scotland dictates that feral cats caught must be shot by gamekeepers in a cage trap. Um, another quote from Claire Bass, who's the director of the Humane Society, which was all tied up in the same statements from yeah. Wildcat Haven, yeah. was that uh, we are appalled and dismayed that feral cats in Scotland are facing death in the name of conservation under protocols um, authorized. Again, uh, in my personal opinion, a pretty naive statement and stance to suggest that we shouldn't be taking feral cats out of the countryside because of the damage that they do. The evidence is there. Uh, it's quite yeah, astounding that, that, that they'd be against that's it. What, that, that's the problem when people get fixated on one species. Yeah, big that is a big, big problem, and we're going to talk about fixation yes, we are. on a particular species uh, very shortly. But can we the, go to that next? Yeah, we can go to that next. At the end of the day, you can't just be fixated on one one species. It has to be. You've got to look at everything. You need to look across the whole spectrum. And, of, of and what should be there. And you know. At the end of the day, Byron just gave the facts and figures of birds. We have some very rare birds uh, in in the ground that they're living in, in, mm. in moorland and, and kind of areas. Make no mistake, these feral cats have a massive impact on a lot of the species that other organizations and, and people are trying to protect yep. in these areas. Red-listed species, ground-nesting birds, all of these are easy targets. easy for targets for feral cats. And if you own a cat, get a bell on it. Definitely. Mine's got two. It is and the responsibility. It, it makes him of, very angry. <laughs> yeah, it is the responsibility. It does make him very angry. The responsibility of cat owners to make sure that your cat is not contributing to those numbers. Um, it is a simple feed, thing. You feed your cat, feed them in the house so they don't have to go and kill and make sure that they're wearing a bell. It, it um, helps. It, it does help. I mean, it, it, You'll never mitigate it completely, no, but you, you need you to can't, do the best that you but can. But at the end of the day, if you've got a bell on, you're helping a little bit. Yeah. You know. and and importantly also get your cat neutered if you're not going to breed from it yeah because ultimately the feral cat issue that we have and it's not just us i mean the feral cats an issue globally is uh, australia has currently got such a big problem 
with feral cats and it's wiping out all of their native species that they've now basically issued an order to yeah, kill on site to kill on site of any feral cats because it's got that bad and uh, australia is probably one of the strictest countries for biosecurity you know you can't even transport an animal that lives in western australia um to the east like you no. you can't go over the state lines because they're that that controlled about species so you know it, they, it a, is a big problem so be responsible if you're a cat owner yeah is the bottom line You've got the next bit. No, I don't. You've got it. Do I? Yeah. We're going to talk about... No, you've... We're going to talk about eagle owls. We are going to talk about eagle owls. Oh, no. I'll tell you where the eagle owl thing is. Uh, I didn't actually print it out, but I had it written down here. Oh, okay. Uh, The the connection with the previous uh, discussion is the fact that there are only two pairs of eagle owls. Well, sorry, two pairs. One pair of eagle owls in the entire United Kingdom. I have to say, they are pretty wicked-looking animals as well. They're huge. If, if you um, Google a picture of an eagle owl, they're massive, and they look really awesome. I think they're a beautiful animal. They are beautiful. I believe... I don't have the full details on this story, but I believe it started off with an escaped bird, which at some point was joined by another bird, and they've paired up, and they've been trying to breed uh, in the forest of Boland. The sort of long and short of it is that there is a massive conflict here because although you you have groups like the RSPB wanting to, uh, you you see them in the papers primarily talking about raptors, they are not in favor of the eagle owls nesting. And the reason for that is that eagle owls, as well as predating on rabbits and other mammals, also kill other raptors, and in particular, hen harriers. Uh, so we have this... <laughs> On one hand, you know, save all the raptors, but don't save the raptors which predate on other raptors. It's it's, it's uh, a, almost a ridiculous thing to say. Is you can't. I don't think you can really pick and choose. No, and and we were talking about fixation, fixation on on one species, on one species, which is hen harriers, and that is predominantly what you see them going on about in mm. i mean especially online if you're online uh any kind of stuff to do with uh merlins and persecution and the reintroduction is the focus is i would say 99 percent of the time hen harriers now the article that i read and um take it with a pinch of salt because i haven't fact checked all of this but that particular article suggests that there had been um concerted efforts by maybe associated members of the RSPB discouraging nesting of the eagle owls for that for that very reason because they didn't want them predating but like i say that's unverified but that's what was in the article that I, that i read just just throwing that out there if the RSPB i mean like Byron said take it with a pinch of salt because we haven't fact checked it but it must have come from somewhere and if someone else, a land manager or a gamekeeper, was found discouraging an animal from nesting, do you really think it would it wouldn't make the national papers? I think it would be talked about a lot more. A lot than, more. Yeah. That, just 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 throwing that. Well, maybe out. I have to try and see. We, I mean, we really we should get some people on from down that way and talk about this as a subject. Yeah. Um, it is. There were eagle owls here historically, and the argument that a lot of people put forward for reintrodu- re- the reintroduction of species like the sea eagles is that they were here historically, the same as lynx, which we talked about two weeks ago, 
uh, they were here historically, so they should be here again, and they will help with the balance of the wildlife. That's always the argument that's put forward. Yeah. So if eagle owls were here, then surely they help with the balance of wildlife, whether that be on mammals or indeed the balance Ra of raptors. raptors. That's yeah. something that no one ever really wants to discuss is the balance of raptors. There is nothing that predates on them, whereas you know this is another raptor that's predating on raptors. Not as a, a primary part of their diet, but a supplementary part of their diet. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, food for thought, quite literally. <laughs> right. Um, Almost like I planned that. I know, it is. Oh, I've got a few other things. I'm going to talk about... Um, you know, I'm just going to talk about this because I don't really have much information and we want our listeners to help us out with this one. I actually came across this originally, not on the, not on the news... But I was on. I'm on a Facebook page called Scotland by the Roadside. Yeah, and, it's a cool page. And someone actually put up uh, a big statement and a, a picture saying, "Oh my God, I've just seen. Uh, I've just seen you know dead deer in Glencoe. You know, I've informed the police and so on." So I saw this on Facebook probably you know a few hours after the the incident occurred. Then it appeared in the news, and basically some walkers and tourists found a huge amount. That's what it says here. A huge amount of uh, body parts, legs, heads. Uh, I imagine uh, everything really. Legs and heads, I guess. Leg, legs it doesn't and actually say, does it? No, it doesn't say. This is why we need, because I haven't actually been able to, we've been quite busy, but I haven't been able to find out any more information um, about this. Uh, it, a spokeswoman for the National Trust of Scotland confirmed that the trust was responsible for the area where the bodies were found. Um, the Nona Hay of Aberdeen wrote, they looked over the wall and in horror there was dead deer heads and legs strewn everywhere, which suggests they took the, the bodies. Hmm. Um, I, I think it unlikely that is any organized professional stalker. Yeah, I I don't... You know what? If there We is, don't know. We but... don't know, but at the end of the day, if the, if the stalkers that manage that ground, the likelihood of them leaving parts, because they'll know where the tourists go... Yeah, yeah. And that's the last thing anyone yeah, wants to do. Yeah, the last thing they want. I mean, the statement here is, is this a result of poachers picking an easy target target of the Glencoe deer? Quite possible. They're quite mm. tame there, actually. Yeah, they are, yeah. Um, or is this the laziness on part of the gamekeepers? That's... Anyone who has that information, send it to us. Yeah, uh, and it was a traumatizing experience for them. Yeah. <laughs> is that a quote? Yeah, it is. It is actually, actually a quote saying... Uh, either way, it has been a traumatizing experience. I think, you know, the takeaway from that is that as hunters, we need to keep in mind that a lot of the areas that we hunt are used by the public. Yes, so yeah. be conscientious of that. If you are stalking up on the hill, you're not... Exp no, I, I don't really know anybody that takes off the, the legs and heads on the hill, but you're certainly going to be leaving the growlick on the hill. If you're near some sort of hill footpath, drag it away from the footpath. So that it's people, common sense. It's common sense. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So the people who are walking there who maybe don't want to, you know, obviously they don't want to see that. It's not a particularly pleasant thing to look <laughs> at anyway. So pull it out of the eye and cover it up. Um, heads and feet, which are a byproduct of processing carcasses, should be disposed of properly and not discarded, which is why it makes me think that this probably was the work of poachers, but you never know. We might find yeah, out. Yeah, any more information, just uh, send it to over to us. Now, to some uh, fairly good news, actually, I would say. I think it's good news. Yeah, it is. Venison sales are soaring this year. Now, I'm just going to get my information. Yep, there we go. 
this year alone, well, we're only at the beginning of the year, but so they're predicting this. Uh, they must have used figures from last year and then predicting what's going to happen this year. Uh, they reckon that the sales will soar by 400% this year, which is a huge amount. Uh, they're, they're reckoning that Scotland will need 400 more deer farms to supply the market within the next decade. I mean, we don't have a lot of deer farms in the UK, in Scotland. No. There are a few. Uh, Sainsbury's are doubling their range for this year, 2016. And yeah, and they believe that this is the, the master butcher of Sainsbury talking here. They believe that the the rise is due to restaurants restaurants um serving it more i'm guess that that's that's the... yeah well, I, you also see it a lot on tv uh, we touched on that before in the past we, we, in we, fact, when we did the interview with um richard cook and well we were talking about eating deer this is um uh, you know a bit of information here they're saying that you know in the past people have just thought that it was too hard to cook or intimidating or they don't like eating bambi but this was, um, they reckon, you know, people are changing their, their opinions. I think now. a lot of that's to do with TV. It is. I mean, people yeah. see how, how the chefs cook it there. And the reality of cooking venison is it, is it could not be easier. You basically just fire it into something that's hot for a bit and then chuck it back out again with some seasoning on it. And it, in theory, is good to go because you can eat it rare. Yeah, you can. Um, and it's really good for you as well. It's 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 healthy. Lean. It's healthier than than most other meats, just because of how how lean it is. Yeah, and the vitamins are in it. Yeah, B twelve, if I remember correctly. B two. Oh, B two. Oh, was <laughs> close. <laughs> yeah, but there we go. I mean, I, I think it's I think it's a good thing. But what is you know what I was thinking was interesting about that article is when we were talking about links. Oh yeah, we were, and yep. what their effect would be and their reduction on deer numbers. Uh, we were looking at around, if I, my memory serves me correctly, about 24,000 deer a year at the max population. That's really that, deer you're talking about there. Well, it was deer yeah, at deer. total. It was yeah, total, total deer. Yeah, yeah. Um, 24,000 at the max population of 400 um, lynx in Scotland. And we only did 30,000. Yeah, we only shot 30,000 roe deer in 2014. But if we indeed have a case where there is this massive demand for venison, then surely we, we be should up. be we should be harnessing more of the, the so wild the, the, population. The, the, so the justific one of the justifications for links is that they will manage our deer population for us, hmm. uh, because w which would you know that still is the case. We've given the numbers of the amount that they would take. But my 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 point if on we're that, eating more, then should we not be harnessing more yeah. of it? Yeah, I think we should be harnessing it a bit more. And it would be twenty four thousand out of the food chain. Yeah, that we would wouldn't be. be able to take. Yeah, which. And clearly we're eating it. Someone's yeah, eating it. Someone's eating it. Two wind turbines. Ooh. Prickly topic. One of my favorites. Uh, two interesting reports out in the last week to 10 days. One is some scientific research that has suggested that where there are large wind farms, they can actually change the temperature of the ground around them, um, basically by picking up either hot or cold air and pushing it down yep. to the down to ground level which will obviously affect what is growing there and what what lives there and it can be as much as one and a half degrees the effect is greater with the warming effect pulling warm air up and dragging it down so i mean we it, they don't really there isn't, know there isn't any more than yeah, that they, they don't the, know what's going to happen but it'll be interesting you know it's one of these things that you don't actually think about no what, the point really behind the article was that we often don't think about all of the implications yeah 
I don't think there was anybody who thought about that implication. Well, maybe there was, but we certainly we never saw it. I certainly never saw it as an argument uh, against or for putting up wind farms. Um, but who knows what the implications of that's going to be. Another one which uh, certainly has had an effect is an 80% drop in golden plover numbers reported in Suther um, at Sutherland Wind Farm. Uh, wind turbines have contributed to an 80% drop in the number of this protect protected bird species warned to the RSPB. Um, so, yeah, bottom line is big wind farm went up. Golden plover, which is a red-listed species, went down. So that is well, uh, a direct effect. It, it, yeah. Just they moved, I think, from well, understanding. Well, in the area, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I should qualify that. Yeah. In, in that particular area, they went down. So obviously, they're not suggesting that it killed them, but that particular they, they habitat don't, they don't that they live used there to live anymore. in, they no longer live there. They said, we want a better view, so they moved. <laughs> we, we don't want to listen to wind turbines. Yeah, we don't want to listen to turbines. It's, it's annoying me at night. I can't sleep, so we're moving. The sort of end result of that was that more consideration needs to be put into the species that live there. Yeah. Which I think in the future will maybe, maybe prevent certain wind farms going might, up. I mean, we do know that it was also a fact that wind, far, uh, wind turbines and farms are killing a lot of birds as well. Yeah. Including you, protected you, predators. You just need to go on YouTube and type in wind turbine killing birds of prey and there's loads of videos of of bird watchers in fact it was a, an eagle i think it was and you, they're all watching the eagle soaring around next thing -dunk, that's mm -hmm. it dead wind turbine took it out do you know in particular that uh what species has been affecting vultures uh maybe i don't know no, maybe I, I read a thing uh it was in I think it was national geographic actually and they were talking about vultures in america because they got massive ones out in the, the desert and that and uh yeah they've been been taking them out okay well i was yeah, gonna you tell me what i was gonna say bats really and the reason is that um, as most people will know bats locate where they're flying by sending out a sound which bounces back in the echo location and that's how they can tell that they're not going to hit something the problem is that they can send out their little squeak and, and the there's blade no blade moved. there and then they fly towards it and suddenly they get knocked out by a blade and bats are probably one of the most protected things in in our country. I mean, if you've got bats in your loft, you you're restricted you, to what you, you can do. You're really restricted in, in what you can I do. I need to read a bit more into that. I I think I heard it in passing, maybe getting in and out of a car. It was on a radio program. But I'm going to look into it a bit more because that is a a really interesting implication. The, ba the bats, bats are cool. Yeah, I like bats. Now I wanted to move on to uh, an article that I read. Uh, and it came from the Metro. I don't know if anybody actually wants to qualify any of the stuff after reading this anyway as proper journalism because <laughs> it is... And the the guy that wrote this is Duncan Lindsay and he is their entertainment um, journalist. We're, we're going to tag the Metro and we're gonna tag, I've already messaged this. Duncan actually to say, come on the show because you need to put... We need, we need some facts and We figures need some facts and figures behind because, your because you're talking absolute rubbish really i mean he the guy doesn't have a clue to be honest he i don't think he's ever stepped foot in africa once in his life Re read some of his stuff because you, you this okay. is entertainment value. So well i mean this is entertainment value right the, he's entertainment. it is i find it hilarious <laughs> some of the stuff he's come up with now this is in reference to the the pierce morgan interview which was on good morning britain about a week and a half ago yeah so it's in reference to the one with ben fogel and with diggory yeah so I'm sure everyone saw this because it went all over the internet. Pierce Morgan being an absolute twat. And 
I mean, at the end of the day, it was. He was just a buffoon. He absolutely... Unfortunately, I don't believe he really researched what he was um, debating, which was which was really frustrating from my point of view because it was an opportunity to have a short and, and really good discussion, but instead he just went for the headline grabbing and didn't really counter a good argument. Yeah. But yeah, this is in the Metro afterwards. So this was in the Metro, written by Duncan Lindsay, and we're calling you out, Duncan Lindsay. You're coming on the show, and Metro as well, whoever you want to send on the show, and you can talk to us about trophy hunting all day long, if you want. Yeah, with pleasure. Yeah, with pleasure. Now, let's read Let's read this article, because yeah, there's some it. crackers in this one. Now, it starts with, unbelievably, there are still people out there who reckon that there is an important place for so-called trophy hunting. Okay. Yeah, we're, we're counted amongst those people. Yeah, so we're, we're there. Um, for the people that don't know, uh, trophy hunting is the act of hunting down often exotic and endangered species just for the extra thrill. False. Okay, let's carry on going. Undertaken primarily by the rich, those willing to hand over huge wads of cash. Also false. False. You do not need to be rich to go out to Africa and hunt animals. Well, they are talking about trophy hunting, but yeah. he, do- he doesn't qualify Africa, yeah, and you doesn't. could argue trophy hunting can be done across almost every species in the world, That's and true. you don't have to be rich to do it. Now, this one is a very interesting one. The argument placed on the table is that the animals that are killed for sport can be used as food for the hungry families that may be living in the area where they are hunted, and that the income from the glorified poachers really goes far to help this. Ooh, dearie me. Glorified poachers. Um, I think he has been reading the wrong books. Yeah, no, Hunters are not poachers. Poachers are involved in illegal activity. Poachers are the very reason that we are seeing um, large declines in elephant and rhino and lion populations in certain parts of Africa. So, if anything, Duncan, you are directly responsible for... The, um, the misconception and you're actually damaging uh you're, you're he is he's, he's yeah he damaging. is damaging and i'll tell you why he's damaging um damaging the conservation efforts to like protect, badly damaging yeah to protect animals particularly in africa because a lot of these areas that do have increasing populations and have managed to to protect their populations of the the main animals that we're talking about here which is lions rhinos and elephants are managed for hunting. So if you make it more difficult for people to go and hunt there, either through public perception, people not wanting to be involved in it anymore, or as we're going to talk about a little bit uh, later about restrictions of trophy hunting, which all spins off the back of this sort of social media and media hurricane that comes off articles like this, then you could be responsible for putting the death nail in the coffin that is endangered species in africa he uh he goes on to say nobody with a heart can actually believe this well i do my heart is definitely still beating <laughs> okay so now there is a picture of cecil the lion so he's talking about uh walter palmer here it says uh it shows uh grinning hunter leering over a corpse of a gorgeous line uh, cecil the lion was killed for sport um, an inhumane act that left the world distraught oh that's because you named it yeah, um, yeah, we talked about Cecil. Yeah, we'll, we'll move on from there. Um, it's it's done. How I I think I didn't highlight a bit, which uh, yeah, basically he's saying um, that hunters are devasta- uh, a devastating problem, and we're eradicating rare species. That's what he's completely false. 
Uh, okay. And then. I will. Don't worry. I'm going to qualify that. I'm not just going to make the statement like he did. Yep. Now, there is absolutely no way to justify this kind of sport, as Pierce Morgan's, Morgan Morgan rightfully pointed out in a heated exchange with Ben Fogel. So now he's talking about the the one bit with Ben uh, Ben Fogel, uh, and this is the uh, the best bit here on Good Morning Britain. There is far more better ways to contribute financially to countries without having to murder murder involved i'm gonna finish and then byron is going to interject <coughs> sorry now he goes on he pointed out completely reasonably he's talking about pierce morgan there is far more money to be made from animal tourism than from a few people with money handing out cash in exchange for permission to kill now byron on you go well unfortunately like i said not only does pierce morgan could he not be bothered to actually do the research? And at the point in time when that came out, the IUCN report had also been published, which I'm going to talk about now. Can, can you explain what that report is? Uh, well, the IUCN report was put together to advise um, people in the European Parliament who were going to be making decisions on whether to restrict um, the import of trophies, um, particularly from Africa. And they had done they put together a proper scientific paper to put the facts on the table, to decide, to give the information to the politicians to decide whether they should or should not. So that was out there, um, very clear, not particularly long. He could have taken the time to read it. He didn't. He makes a statement that uh, the income could easily be generated through other forms of tourism. He's probably referring to photographic yeah, tourism. Photo tourism. Completely wrong. It can substitute it. It can't replace it. And it says that in the IUCN report as well. You're talking about uh, roughly 10 to 1. You need 10 times the amount of photographic tourism as you do for one hunter to bring in the same amount of income. And their, um, another another thing that people uh, forget <coughs> is their footprint yes. is much, much bigger because, Byron, for the reasons you said, you need 10 people to 1. So their footprint on the environment is huge compared to one person. Yeah. Um, right, I'll, so I'll, 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 yeah, I'll finish I'll carry on. He, um, he's talking about Ben Fogel again. Uh, ben Fogel again. He says, well, clearly passionate um, for animals on the whole. Ben outlined a rather meek argument that kicking up a fuss about trophy hunting is masking the real issue of poaching. No, Ben is actually correct. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I'd have to say I completely agree with... I didn't. I haven't seen the rest of the interview with Ben Fogel, but that particular statement... I completely agree with the real issue and the reason that there are problems in, in, in Africa in particular is poaching and that's ivory poaching and that's poaching for rhino horns. It has absolutely nothing to do with hunting. Yep. So you look uh, like you wanted to say yeah, something Yeah, no, I was just going on uh, to say they talk about uh, Prince William uh, and uh, the comments he made. Uh, the arguments yeah, he's taken a lot of stick. The, the arguments for regulated, properly controlled commercial hunting is the money goes from shooting a very old, infirm animal goes back into the protection of the uh, other species, which is correct. That's what happens. It, you know, um, 
I'm not even going to give this this idiot any more um, no, any more time on here. But Duncan, we've called you out. Come on the show, and then we can actually yeah, talk we can actually discuss it if but, if you know what you're talking about. So I'm going to go through a few. I've actually written an article on the IUCN report, which is a perfect rebuttal to all everything that Daryl's just gone over, and I'm just going to pull a couple of things out of that. Oh, hang on, uh, just uh, just before because uh, I'll forget otherwise. I tried to um, I messaged Duncan um, through Facebook. Um, because I couldn't find an actual contact number. It was just Metro, so I'm going to contact Metro. But what I did make me laugh was that if uh, there's actually an email address for articles that are incorrect, and uh, I don't know if we should just email and say the whole uh, whole article is factually incorrect, because that is actually it but says the only factually thing, incorrect. The only uh, thing that's incorrect is what Pierce Morgan said. I think. Well, no, what what he said was incorrect, but it was factually correct what he said, <laughs> that he was being quoted. Yeah. But, yeah, maybe I should just send him the report that I wrote. Maybe he should just stick to writing about Geordie Shaw and stuff like that instead <laughs> of uh, politics. So, yes, I use an CDN report. There are four recommendations, which I'm just going to read out exactly as they come across so that you can hear them just in case you can't be bothered reading it yourself. But I do urge anybody who is involved in hunting in particular to check that report out and we'll put the link in the podcast description because it does give you a very good overview of just generally what's happening in the world with regard to these big species that you will see probably week in week out uh, being talked about and a lot of the stuff that you see is just not correct Um, this has been scientifically checked and they provide a lot of evidence there so if you are a hunter and you're trying to defend it it gives you some good ammunition. And if you don't really know what side of the fence you sit on, equally a good thing to read because it's not written by hunters. It's written by an independent body. So it can at least inform you. So here are their their, uh, four recommendations that should be thought about before any decision is made on um, any kind of restrictions for trophies. It should be based on a careful and sound analysis and understanding of the particular role that trophy hunting programs are playing in relation to conservation efforts at all levels in source countries, including their contribution to the livelihoods and specific affected communities. Good examples of this is the um, uh, campfire program in Zimbabwe and another program in Namibia, which I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it basically handed over the benefits of uh, hunting concessions to local communities and uh, they the animals belonged to them and it was within it was with their, in their interest to protect it because they were seeing the direct um, income benefits and social benefits from hunters coming to hunt those areas it must also be based on a meaningful and equitable consultation with affected uh, range of state governments and indigenous people and local communities and do not under- and make sure it doesn't undermine local approaches to conservation. It needs to take, uh, be taken only after the exploration of other options to engage with relevant countries to change poor practice and promote improved standards of governance and management of hunting. And lastly, it needs to be taken. Uh, decisions need to be taken only after identification, implementation of feasible, fully funded, and sustainable alternatives to hunting that respect indigenous and local community rights and livelihoods and deliver deliver equal or greater incentives for the conservation over the longer term. And therein lies the key: incentives for conservation. Because the bottom line is, if you don't incentivize it, especially in countries like that there will be no game left 
because p- people are hungry. And yep. whether you're they're eating the game or whether people are poaching the game for ivory and horns, or that's bush, the way bush it's going to go. Well. Bush meat. What is really important, and I pulled a couple of quotes uh, from the report, is that uh, they make specific mention that regulated trophy hunting programs, and I'm quoting now, play an important role in delivering benefits to both wildlife and con- uh, wildlife conservation and for the well-being and livelihoods of the indigenous communities. Uh, the report also identifies that habitat loss and degradation are the primary drivers of declines in population of terrestrial popula- uh, of terrestrial populations. Uh, they also make make mention of poaching in there. And there are a number of really awesome examples of how hunting has saved species. I'll just run through two of them here. White rhino in South Africa. Pre-1968, there was around 2,000 individuals in the country. In the year 2000, 190,000. 1965, they reopened hunting in Africa. And if you look at the graph of the population growth, you can see the direct correlation between hunting efforts with animals actually having an economic value and there being an incentive to make sure that uh, they're being protected and the population growing. It's cold hard facts. You can The graph is in the report. You can see it. The same is true of, of elephants. Particular conservancy in Zimbabwe, which was is being studied by Oxford University. It's not the one where Cecil was shot, but it's uh, not too far away. Uh, originally used for agricultural purposes only. In 1999, it was bought as a private reserve, and they managed it through funds brought in by hunting. In 1999, there were only 13 lions there. By 2012, there were 500. 500 was on the brink, if not slightly in excess of their capacity, so they were basically shooting their excess capacity, anything that wasn't going out, out with the reserve, in order to pay for the, the the management of that reserve, which clearly, 1999 to 2012, is not, not really a very long period of no, time, it's, it's not really shows problem. what an astounding success it is. And th- the same can be seen with the elephants there, 50 to over 700 in the same period of time. There's a similar story with Markor and Tajikistan. You can look up the numbers. That's all in the report. We had some good news uh, with regard to this last week or the week before. Um, there was a, a... European Parliament, you talked yeah, about. Yeah, there was a, a document went to the European Parliament. Uh, basically, it, it was a, a declaration to restrict trophy imports yeah, into Europe. Into European. And the effects of that could have been everything that we've just been we've been talking about and, and the implications of restricting um, or disincentivizing the reasons for going to hunt in Africa and everything that's in that report. And thankfully, 80% of MEPs rejected it. So that is now off the table. Rejected. Some humor for you. You you got some humor. Now. I got some humor. Okay, good. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to be funny, but <laughs> this is humorous. Okay, talk to me. Peta. Oh yes, yes. We're talking about condoms. <laughs> yes, we are. Yeah, we are. We... <laughs> you you couldn't write this stuff if you tried. Now everybody is aware of Peta. It's basically a massive anti-hunting organization. I don't actually think they even know what they stand no, for. I, to I don't be think honest. they really know. They, what they seem stand for to anymore. think they stand for animal rights and animal welfare. Without they're really at the, they're, proving, they're at the real extreme end, I would say. Yeah, 
Very um, extreme. I mean, I tell you what, if I was a funder of that that thing, I would be absolutely devastated where my how my money was wasted. I would I, I, So they they <laughs> thought that it would be a really good use of resources, money that could be spent on say education into Asia to try and help people understand the fact that rhino horn doesn't do anything for you. Oh, well, a hunter's been doing that recently. Yes, Ivan, Ivan Carter, Carter has. He's been to Asia to go and educate people about uh, rhino horn and, and and the illegal poaching that goes on because most of the stuff ends up in the Asian market. Yeah. And he is, I mean, absolutely hat off to him. He's doing such an amazing job, Ivan Carter. He is a professional hunter. He is supported by Outdoors Channel, which is a hunting channel in America, and supported by Nosler and a bunch of other manufacturers, all hunting organizations or manufacturers. So that is supported and funded by hunters, essentially. And he is out there right at the coalface where where action needs to be taken, out in Asia, trying to educate. That's what he's trying to do. It's all about education. Now, PETA could have been doing this. They could have been educating the world and providing funding uh, for anti-hunting, or uh, sorry, anti-hunting, uh, anti-poaching, initiatives in africa or no, anywhere else in the they world. weren't no 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 they're not they, they weren't they thought it would be funny to launch a range of condoms called the huntsman now i quite like it you know what it's it, a cool it, branding it, 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 it's they, they actually had really cool branding which i take my hat off to them for that here we go oh, i can't yeah. actually take it off properly uh yeah so i take my hat off to them you know my biggest problem with this whole thing they made a they made a video you can just type in the huntsman condom that and they they prank, not pranked. They well, it was. They kind of the idea was, was that they were pranking. No, the, their idea was we're going to stop hunters breeding. So they yeah. they went to huge lengths. They went to all of the American game fairs. They sent them out to celebrity hunters to endorse the works. The problem is, is that they were giving out real condoms to a company they believe was real. So they weren't really pranking anyone. Like that's not funny. How is that even funny? I was saying to this point, the only way that it was funny is if you'd poked a hole in every single one. But no, but their their premise was it's, that hunt, uh, hunting is something that is passed on passed from on. one generation yeah. to the next. So they wanted to stop breeders, uh, stop hunters breeding. But all they did was save money for for people. <laughs> all they did was buy an extra few rounds because at the end of the day, if if you're using condoms, you'll go and buy them. You know, it's it, it's the most ridiculous thing ever. That is so ridiculous. I, like, that is insane that they did that. A lot of time and resources, and I imagine money, went into that campaign to embarrass hunters. And I it think. didn't. I think that was that's what they wanted yeah, to do. To... Ultimately, I mean, they said it was to stop the next generation of hunters. But ultimately, they were going for the embarrassment factor when it eventually it came out that, you know what, these were set up, uh, this company was set up by PETA. It was frankly pathetic. And I think that just shows you the mindset of that kind of organization. And I, I mean, I could spend all day discrediting them, but I think that's probably discredited them more than anything else the they've ever thing done. The thing is, is, I like a good joke. I like, you know, yeah, it, but, it's funny, but it wasn't. It wasn't even funny. No. Because the no, they didn't tell, <laughs> you know, like setting... You know, it's... I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of an example. It's like setting up... Uh, a mobile phone manufacturer handing them all out for free and the end of it going ha ha uh th- they're fake uh you know like you know they're not real it's rid- it's ridiculous like they didn't achieve anything apart from save you a bit of money 
there were a couple of uh, there were a couple of sort of hunting celebrities that we know that uh, Michaela was yeah one. She, she was one but she didn't know at the time no no she was she was banning them around on Facebook but yeah but I'm sure the vast majority of people probably saw that already but I thought it was yeah amusing but, but pathetic at the same time. <sighs> Yeah. Uh, and the last thing uh, that I have on my piece of paper here is that uh, the next CITES meeting. Now, CITES determine import, exports, movement of, of animals around the world. Uh, they have placed a lot of restrictions on hunting. Some of them rightly so. Some of them, some people may think some of it's a bit restrictive. But when they meet in October of this year, there is a motion at that meeting uh, to move African lions from Appendix 2 to Appendix 1 on the listings. What that means, in short, is that uh, they won't be preventing lions from being hunted, but they'll just make it more difficult to actually export and then import those trophies. The knock-on effect of that is you know, what we've discussed. If you make it more difficult for people to hunt in these countries to take <coughs> home what they've been hunting, then they might not go, and as a result of which the whole conservation chain and money breaks down and we've already seen that in africa uh, directly after Cecil the lion no one wanted to uh, no one wanted to go to zimbabwe or really anywhere in africa to go and hunt lions and uh, as a result of which some of those places that have been you know protecting those concessions not only did they have a surplus of lions that they had to just go and cull for no monetary benefit to the outfitter or the local community because remember those lions have to eat something they're going to eat either other game or they're going to eat cattle um, but they had, uh, you know, no money coming in either. Now, got two very quick things. Now, I don't know if anyone saw online. Uh, it was another American thing. Uh, a young kid who decided he needed to fund his college went and stole uh, antlers. And it's big money over there, massive money, going to collect them and then selling them on across across the world. Now, he stole about £20,000 worth of antlers and the stupid idiot then went posted on Snapchat that he had made a chair out of them and so on and so on. He got caught, arrested, done. The moral Bottom line the moral, is don't steal. <laughs> don't steal. And if you are going to steal... No, no, just don't, don't steal. steal. Okay, no, don't steal. I'm not going to give you advice, but don't put it online. Yeah, just you, you're an idiot. In fact, you deserve to. You, you there was it. there was a guy um, with a rhino horn on his bed, and a shed load of money just sort of spread over spread over a, a bed in South Africa. Exactly the same thing. He put it on Facebook. I mean, <laughs> what come on, idiot. come on, people. Now we talked about this last week with um, Kai. We were talking about fake farms, and the fact that. Uh, Tesco and Asda and I'm not sure who else has been involved made up farm names and to, they to make their products to make appeal, their, yeah, appeal a bit more they're not real obviously you know and their NFU lawyers are now looking into it oh I didn't know that yep there you go so I don't know any more than that but they're looking into it because it could be illegal well it's very misleading at the end of the incredibly day incredibly misleading to suggest that to suggest by a name that something came from the UK when, in fact, it was sourced out elsewhere. I think people, generally speaking... Yorkshire home farm yeah. from New Zealand. Well, yeah, I think, generally speaking, people don't mind too much, although we would always encourage people to buy local. Uh, but you don't want to be lied to. You want to know where it's, your, your food's coming from. But at from. the end of the day, we said it before, they've been lying to us for years, so it's not that much of a surprise. <laughs> no. So, yeah. Right, one more, Byron, for me. Is this me. the last one? This is the last one for me. 
England's only resident golden eagle feared dead. Now that is, I think that's, that's sad. That is sad. Uh, there was only one left he flying around was, looking for a mate. For he, years, he was a he? single dude, and he was flying around. Was he a guy? Yeah, it was a guy. I think. And a male. Yeah, male, and he's. Uh, he, they reckon he was about 20 years old, which is quite old. They lived to about 30. I went and looked it up. 40-ish in captivity. Uh, so, you know, not at the end of his life, but... Towards the end. Towards... Which is sad. Which, uh, towards... Now, the only thing that annoyed me about this whole thing is the statement from the site manager said, there's no real way of knowing for sure... He's talking about where the bird's gone or so on it's a single bird in a huge landscape and he was of an age he was of an age we couldn't rule out the death of, i've completely messed this up we couldn't rule out death by natural causes you know that kind of says that they're looking for another reason another reason uh which is always the uh, i mean even at the bottom here it says that uh even th this is a bbc article even at the bottom it says birds of prey are uh persecuted at the bottom of this article so i don't even know why they, there we go Th this is at the very bottom of the article it says they have been illegally killed in the past and are still poisoned or have their nests robbed i don't really know why they had to put that in there eagle owls <laughs> yeah yeah who knows an eagle owl might have taken them out <laughs> well i think that <laughs> i think i think an eagle is probably a bit big for an, uh but yeah it's uh there's always a certain tone with articles like that I think that's really what you're getting at. No, yeah, I was, get, I was getting at that it was actually quite a sad article because at the end of the day, it's uh, a golden eagle. They're magnificent. They're well, we've huge. got them just Yeah, the we've got them here. here. And the only one that was left down in, uh, it was in the Lake District, has gone now. They don't know where it is. But it was the tone of the article basically suggesting maybe we, we don't know where it's gone. It could have died of natural causes, causes but... Maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, we'll you, see. Yeah, I think we know what. Uh, yeah, often you read articles like that, and the implication is some form of field sports is involved in it. Yeah, I mean, just the same as uh, all the failed nests, uh, the f failed hen harrier nest last year on RSPB reserves. Mark Avery stood up and said, "Well, it's gamekeepers that are responsible for that." <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah. It would be good to see some evidence as to why they failed on RSPB reserves. But it, again, it's a subject which we are going to talk on far more this year. And we are, I mean, hopefully we're going to get some, you know, people on from all the different organizations to talk we, about we, this. We, and, uh, you know, and put their point of view. By the way, Chris Packham has been invited on this show and there was some dialogue with him. There for, was. Um, yeah. And he, he basically, he turned around and said... This is on Twitter. So yeah, this is on not, Twitter. So anyone, anyone can see this. And he said, I want to go and speak to the people in the field sports world. Uh, you know, I've asked journalists. He, said, he actually said that he, he had asked to have stuff published in the Shooting Times. Yeah. Uh, and they didn't want to publish them. Um, so, so somebody, somebody else uh, put up there. Uh, well, uh, they actually phoned us before um, just uh, to see if we were able to do it and you know, if we wanted to. And they put forward the podcast because we're the only people doing this in, in the UK said here's your chance to speak to the shooting community here's the, the yeah, page, page brothers into the wilderness uh, on on twitter send them a message get on the podcast explain what you want to talk about and what your point of view is and you know get your opinion across but 
Packham's gone silent. He has gone silent ever we'll, since we'll, we'll, the open offer. Then. We'll message him again. He's probably listened to the podcast and, uh, <laughs> and he's like, I'm, I'm not going on there. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the, we're not uh, hostile. The, the, the offer, the offer still stands. The offer still I, stands. I think a, a good example of uh, you know tackling prickly issues, which undoubtedly there would be with him, would be our the Links podcast, yeah. which we tried to do as you know as fairly as we could. So, yeah, but. We're done. That's, we're done. That's the end of the show. And we really do hope you've enjoyed and enjoyed all of our previous shows. And yeah, remember that we've got a competition. Yes. Competition. Uh, so Bushnell. Get yourself Bushnell on Facebook. Camp. And guys, um, guys and girls. Uh, guys and girls. I imagine a lot of you do have Facebook accounts, but we put a lot of stuff on our Facebook page. Yeah. Information what's going like on. all these, uh, the articles we've been talking about, if we find something that's relevant to either upcoming podcasts or stuff that we've talked about in the past, we tend to, but you know, normally once a day there'll be something interesting on there. We don't fill it with junk. We're only sharing uh, stuff on there that is of value and about the podcast, yeah, really, about the podcast. Or, or sometimes our series. But uh, yeah, no. So get yourself on the Facebook page and get chatting with us. I mean, like hundreds of you already are. You, you guys have been chatting with us and been leaving awesome reviews. Like really, awesome. we, we have more reviews on our podcast than some of the massive podcasts in America. It's quite amazing. So, so we, our it. listeners must be more our, awesome than that. Uh, our listeners are definitely more more awesome than <laughs> than everyone else's listeners. <laughs> um, yeah, that's well, it. That, that's it. But remember, you can download this show on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and you can watch it on YouTube as well. You can watch us chatting about things, and we'll actually. <sighs> Oh, you what? What's happened? I was going to say deep, we deep actually breath. next to us, guys. We're going to be running a competition oh, yes. for our Into the Wilderness series. So there's two competitions. So obviously there's a podcast competition, uh, but there's going to be another competition uh, for our series. But we will put up a live video on that. Yeah, on each page, so it doesn't get confusing. So for more information on the the competition about our series, head over to the series Facebook page. Unfortunately, that is the only place that you're going to yeah, see that it. Is, that is that the only place yeah. you're going to see it. But you can win. It's all to the left of me right now. Um, I'll tell you what we should, we'll do, actually, because everybody who watches the series, uh, well, has watched episode one of the series, obviously the vast majority are watching it on YouTube. So we can maybe do just a, a Short prize YouTube video. video. Yeah, okay, so, we'll, we'll do that. So subscribe to the YouTube channel. Both YouTube both channels. channels. And then you'll get to Pace see Brothers both. Into the Wilderness podcast into the wilderness two channels and on that competition we'll be giving away a Vorn rucksack they're wicked we you know we've made a really cool film about them we're not just saying that because we're you know we're involved in it they're genuinely <laughs> really good we, we've enjoyed them from yeah. from the beginning they're good bags um, so we're basically giving away stuff that we use yeah that we not use. that we've no, used no, we haven't used it but we do use we do the use products it. um so Vorn rucksack we're going to be giving castron bones uh, castron bones and a fortis jacket jacket yeah they are, they are all, I mean, I think all that together, you're probably looking at about 500 quid's worth of stuff. Are easy. And the rest. Yeah, and the rest. And there will be another competition, but I'm not going to tell you about that. There will be another one. Oh, yes, for the there series. Will. There so will be we've one. got competitions coming out of here. Important thing for the podcast listeners is Bushnell Trophy. Trophy cam. And we've told you how to enter that. Yep. Thank you very much for listening to the show. Until, ne until next week. Yeah, seven days. This podcast is brought to you by the Scottish Association for Country Sports.